Well, good morning, Bellevue Baptist Church. You look very familiar. And it's good to be here. This is almost home for us, and it is like home for us. So I'm glad to, glad to come back. Uh, Dale called me Saturday morning and said, since you missed preaching for us because you were sick, our preacher today, coming Sunday, is sick, and uh, you need to make it up. And I was, I was vacant this week. All of February is filled up, and I was vacant this week. So I jumped, I jumped at the chance. So I am, I am happy, happy, happy to, to be here. And uh, it's good to see you. There's lots of bad news today, isn't there? And I don't know where you get your news, but no matter where you get it, it just seems bad news is the order of the day. I checked, I checked the news stories of the week uh, this morning. Four shootings in California. Shooting in a synagogue in Jerusalem left seven dead and three wounded. Russia continues to intentionally, intentionally bomb civilians. <laughs> I went by the Kroger's the other day and I thought, well, that gas price can't be right. But it is. <laughs> it is. And um, have you heard any good news coming out of D.C. lately? I, I haven't heard any good news coming out of D.C. lately. So you get the picture. Bad news, bad news, bad news. Kentucky lost to Kansas. Bad news, bad news, bad news. But in the midst of all this bad news, I want to return to our roots today. I want to return to the gospel. The word gospel, as you know, means good news. And I believe that you would agree with me that if ever there was a time for the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to be preached, it is today. And so with all that bad news out there, I want us to talk today about the best news ever. The best news ever. Pray with me and we will, get, we will get to it. Father, we come before you today with praise and thanksgiving. And we thank you, Father, that through the gospel, through the good news, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, there is no condemnation to those who have accepted you as Lord and Savior. And our permanent address is now in Christ, in Christ. And our eternal song is no condemnation. So we praise you and bless you and adore you for the astonishing good news and what it means when we accept you into our lives. Father, if ever there was a day, I mean, all the bad news in these days we need the good news. We need the good news of the gospel more than ever. Now, Father, we've come to this place to pray for one another today. There are all kinds of needs among us today. Some grieving, some are worried out of their minds, and some worried about just making it through the day. Some are anxious, some are lonely, some are grieving. So I pray, Father, that you come amongst us 
and minister to our spirits today. And now, Father, I pray that you would take the word of God and pour through me so that I can preach to these good people and take these human words and use them today to speak to us. We ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. The best news ever. Now, I think I've got it here. Look at these. Look at this. Remember that guy? Remember that guy? You don't see him any, anymore, so they don't put the camera on him anymore. And then we, we, remember, we, remember, we remember Tim Tebow always played with 316 under his, under, his, under his eyes. Now, John 316 is one of the most recognized symbols and one of the recognized symbols of our faith. And it is familiar to us, but how many of us really know it? John 3.16 today is more displayed than it is experienced. So what I want you to do today, I want to enter in to the best news ever and experience John 3.16 as it was meant to be. John 3.16 is probably one of the most famous sentences in all of literature. So let's read it out loud together. This is from the English Standard Version. Let me read it out loud with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Dr. Frederick Bruner, Dan Dale Bruner, it took him 10 years to write his commentary on the book of John. This is what he said about John 3.16. God, the greatest subject ever, so the greatest extent ever, love, the greatest affection ever, the world, the greatest object ever. He gave his only son, the greatest gift ever. Whoever believes the greatest opportunity ever shall not perish the greatest rescue ever, have everlasting life, the greatest promise ever. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Max Lucado in his book 316 says it like this. He loved, he came, we believe, we live. Now I, I cannot improve on that at all. So let's go with it. First of all, he loved. God so loved. Now at the heart of every truth we believe is the reality <clears throat> that God is love. The fact that God is love is the source of comfort and hope in all these troubled times, these uncommon troubled times that we're having, and all these crises that our world is facing. See, the coming of Jesus proved beyond a shadow of a doubt what God is like. God so loved. Now, folks, this statement, I think, requires us to rethink who God is in the first place. A lot of people think that God is this judge who's just waiting up in heaven to pronounce sentence on us. No, no. God is this cosmic auditor sitting up there making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty and nice. God is this huge cosmic power ready to just beat us into submission. John says, God so loved. Now, there's something in us that responds to the reality that God is love. And that's why we still like to sing, and it's one of my favorite hymns. 
Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And the other day I found myself singing that little song that kids used to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And the truth of that is that we are held by God, and God's source of love is comfort and joy. You see, folks, when we are being held by the hands of God, wow, wow. I love to listen to the National Christian Choir. They're out of Washington, D.C. Matter of fact, they're in Baltimore, but they claim Washington, D.C. is their address. And I got several CDs of that great choir. They sing a song that has so helped me in a lot of troubled times. And it goes like, Jesus, hold me, hold me. I'm in the midst of a storm. Jesus, hold me, hold me, I'll be safe in my Father's arms. Amen? Amen. Knowing that He loves me and He is holding me, that is great comfort to me. St. Augustine put it this way, God loves each of us just as if we were the only one to love. So the best news ever, He loved us. He came. He came. God's love is a giving love, for God so loved the world that he gave. He came. He came. Now, why did he come? Why did he come? Well, what are the implications of the fact that God came to us in Jesus? The assurance of God's love calls for a relationship with him. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ is why he came. That's what it is all about. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved, he came, and he calls us now through the gospel for a relationship with him. One of my favorite true stories, and it is a true story. You know, not all preacher stories are true, but this is a true story. And it says it so well. This is a true story. She was 15, and he was 17 when they met. All through high school, they went steady. And after high school, no one was surprised when they got married. Four years later, two little children later, she was standing in the kitchen, piles of dishes in the sink, dirty clothes all through the house, two crying babies, tears streaming down her cheeks. And she never can look back and say when she made the decision, but she made it. She took her apron off and she walked out. She called that night. Her husband jumped to the phone real quick and he was worried out of his mind, wondering what was going on. And he was angry. And he said, where are you? Trying to control his temper the best he could. How are the children, she said, ignoring his question. Well, if you mean if they're fed, and they are. And I put them to bed, but they're wondering, like I am wondering, where are you and what are you doing? She hung up the phone. Well, that was not the last of the calls. She called most, almost every week for the next three months. Now this young husband knows something serious is going on, on here. And he would begin his phone calls 
with her pleading for her to come home. Won't you please come home? We love you. Please come home. And he would tell her that the kids were with the grandparents during the day and he had them at night and they were well cared for. And he would again tell her over and over and over, we love you, we love you, we miss you. The kids wonder where mama is. And, and, he, and, he, and then he would try to find out where she was. And when he did, she would hang up. Finally, this young husband took their savings and hired a private detective to find out where she was. The detective found her and said that she was in a third-rate hotel in Des Moines, Iowa. He borrowed money from his in-laws, bought a plane ticket to Des Moines, took a cab out to this hotel where she lived, and climbed the stairs to her third-floor room. And if you'd have been there, you would have seen the fear in his eyes, the sweat on his brow, and his hands shook visibly as he knocked on the door. And when his wife opened the door, he forgot the prepared speech that he had made, and he just simply said, I love you, I love you, we miss you so much, won't you come home? And she collapsed into his arms, and they went home together. One evening after the kids were in the bed, they were sitting before the fire and he brought up enough courage to ask the question that he had been wondering for past months. And finally he said to her, why wouldn't you come home? When I told you over and over that I loved you, I loved you, I loved you, and we missed you, why didn't you come home? And with very profound simplicity she said, because before, those were only words, Johnny, but you came. You came, Johnny. You came. You came. And that's it. He loved and he came. See, folks, John 3.16 is some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. And it's nice to think that God loved the world enough and he kept telling he loved the world. But God didn't put it in nice platitudes and nice cliches. What he did, he came. He came to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He came. Just like Johnny. He loved, yes. But he came. And he came. And just like Johnny, he came to take us home. Best news ever. Best news ever. He loved, he came, we believe, we believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him. See, God gave his only son, that whoever believes in him. We believe. And it says, whoever believes. God loves us enough to let us choose. I was listening to a world-famous preacher this morning who counterdicted that. We don't choose, he said. Whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him. See, God loves us too much to force us to believe in Jesus. If he forced us, that would be manipulation. Now, you, you can force your family to show you signs that they love you, but... 
you're bigger and stronger than they are, but you can't make them love you. In order for love to be love, it has to be a choice. And when God came, Jesus put the ball in our court. He said to us, I love you. I have demonstrated my love, but I will not force it on you. You come to me yourself. I've made every arrangement, everything necessary for you to come to God. But no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been, you can come just as you are, but you must believe. If you're thirsty, I will give you living water, but you must drink. If you're hungry, I'll give you the bread of life, but you must eat. In these uncommon days of so much weirdness, <clears throat> so much stress, I will give you peace I will give you rest, but you have to lean upon me. If you have sinned, I will forgive you. I will cleanse you because I love you. But you must believe. Jesus' love, folks, calls for a commitment. Whoever believes in him. Now, the choices are ours. Now, you might say, well, why, why is believing so important? What, what does it mean to believe in him? Dr. Harris, who was at Tr Trinity Divinity School for so many years, New Testament scholar, this is what he said. To believe in Jesus is to have faith that is directed towards him, faith that is focused on him. It involves the total commitment of one's whole self to the person of Christ as Messiah and Lord forever. And it wouldn't be a sermon unless I quoted John Stott. <laughs> John Stott says, the value of faith is not to be found in itself, but entirely and exclusively in its object, namely Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Faith is the eye that looks to Him. Faith is the hand that receives His free gift. Faith is the mouth that drinks the living water. Mm. And he goes on to say, if we come to Christ and put our trust in Him, a marvelous exchange takes place. He takes away our sins and clothes us with His righteousness instead. In consequence, we stand before God not trusting in our own righteousness, whoa, but in God's manifold and great mercies, not in tattered rags of our own morality, but in the spotless robe of the righteousness of Christ. And God accepts us not because we are righteous, but because of the righteous Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead. Amen, John. That's good preaching. Woo! That's good preaching. So what's our response? What's our response to the best news ever? Let me ask you, do you believe it or not? It's available. It's available. Whoever, whoever believes. Now, Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you're trying to find your way back to it. We, we, all, we all get lost in one way or another at times, don't we? And that's why Jesus came. He loved and he loves us enough to keep coming to us. And if you're here today and you are seeking him, don't give up, don't give up. While you are seeking him, he is seeking you and you find him 
when you believe, believe. The best news ever, he loved, he came, we believe, and we live. We live, we live. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We live. See, whenever we respond to God's love and believe in Jesus, it means that we are living our eternal life right now. Right now, we have begun to live our eternal life. And we begin this journey to our eternal life. And Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. We live. We live. And we are going to live forever. At First Church years ago, <clears throat> we used to sing a little chorus. And I first heard it at the old Gaither, not Gaither, the old Cathedral Quartet. Remember them? Remember George Johnson, the Cathedral Quartet? And it goes like this. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to die. No, never. Jesus died on the tree for me, and I'm going to live forever. Amen? Amen. See, the promise of John 3.16 is this. There is going to come a time. There is going to come a day when troubles like this will end forever. There's going to come a time when God will wipe every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying anymore, for the former things have passed away. See, the hope of heaven is God's promise to those who put their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for their salvation. Now, I, I, I sometimes think, boy, it's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. But there will come a time. There will come a time when we look back on this brief moment of trouble. We will be in a perfect world, perfect bodies, a perfect soul, a perfect relationship with God, and in perfect relationship with each other. You'll even be able to get along with your ex, no matter how many of them you've had. And our life with God will be as he intended it to be. And we will live in peace and righteousness forever. Think about it. I lay awake some nights and think about that. And I say to George, I can't put my mind around it. Wonder what it's going to be like. No more anxiety. No more anxiousness. No more worries. Forever with the Lord. Perfect. Just like Jesus is perfect. So folks, these are scary times. If you don't believe that, I don't know what world you're living in. Maybe it's good that we don't even tell you. You could die in peace. But these are scary times. And instead of focusing on all the bad stuff that's out there, let's keep focusing on the best news ever. He loved. He came. We believe. We live. <laughs> best news ever. Read it out loud with me. 
again. And he lives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever <clears throat> believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoa. That's as good a news as it gets. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we worship you today because you are a most merciful and compassionate God. The giver of life, the giver of love, the giver of hope, the forgiver of forgiveness, the forgiveness of eternal life. And we praise you for the best news ever. So, Father, we ask you as we walk in this troubled world that you will walk beside us for comfort. You'll walk behind us for our encouragement. You'll walk over us for our protection, under us for our strength, and before us for our guidance. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Today we're going to offer you an invitation to accept Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And you know, in John 3, 16, we often forget John 17. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but he came to save us. So he wants to save you this morning if you never have accepted him. Accept his offer of forgiveness today. And if you need to become a part of this Bellevue Baptist Church, I encourage you, this is the place to come and worship. You folks, I hope you realize what you have here. I hope you visitors realize what's here and become a part of it. And if you would, if you would like to obey him in baptism, we'd be glad to help you with that decision as well. Let's stand and sing.